0: welcome 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 whether this is your first episode or if you listen to them all welcome to the heart of the soul podcast i'm your host amana mayfield faulkner and i am so glad that each and every one of you are here today this is a space where we remember what it means to be wild human and alive breathing life back into storytelling while we recognize that our stories shift and change over time This is a safe place where we honor each other's differences and connect about that which unites us all. I'm a woman, a creative entrepreneur, a mother, I'm a keeper of both birth and death, having attended both births and deaths for over a decade. I hope that you enjoy this unedited flow of story sharing today and that something spoken might touch your soul and help you feel more connected to yourself and to those in the world around you. This month, I found myself overwhelmed with all my to-do's, with many markets to sell at, and an abundance of orders through my Etsy site. And although I have two other amazing podcasts recorded, I have decided that I would hit pause for December and publish the episodes in 2022. But then my beautiful friend Katie contacted me to share that the memoir she's been pouring her heart and soul into was being published. And so here we are today, this episode on December 6th, 2021, which I plan to release as soon as I complete the show notes. Katie Duke is a beautiful soul that I connected with at a retreat for bereaved mothers in Canada in 2016 through a woman named Amelia, whose baby Landon was born and died shortly after. And so Katie Duke is here today and I am so excited she's here. Uh, We met in Canada and yet we both, um, Katie was living in Seattle and I had lived in Seattle and so then we've had the opportunity to to connect a few more times in person and also virtually this way over the last years and held space for each other, witnessed each other's journey and path of grief and mothering our babies that are no longer Earthside. So, Katie, I would love if you would like to introduce yourself in whatever way feels good right now.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Amana. It's such an honor to be here with you. And thank you for prioritizing me and um, choosing to have me on your podcast. Yeah, so my name is Katie Duke and um, I too am a mother and an entrepreneur of sorts and a creative and an author, which is such an exciting thing to say. Um, I used to practice law. So I have a law degree. I feel like that was a lifetime ago. I love to act and sing and dancing fills my soul. Um, Amana and I have had the pleasure of dancing barefoot in the grass before together. So um, back in the days when there were reggae festivals and things like that, I'm so looking forward to, I don't even, I can't say normal, but you know, life continuing to progress as we deal with this crazy pandemic that we're dealing with. Um, yeah, I'm just so excited to to be here and to um, share my story about um, my experience with motherhood and loss and grief and love and healing um, and whatever comes of the next hour that we chat. I just am really, really thankful for this time.
0: Wonderful. Well, I know that we're going to get into like different pieces and parts of the book and also hear Poppy's story and your story. I wonder if you might want to start with just sharing the title of the book and when when you started, when, how did, when did you know that you were going to write this book?
1: Mm, yeah. So the title of my story is, or my book is Still Breathing, My Journey with Love, Loss and Reinvention. Um, I, when, so just kind of take a step back and let your listeners know my story. Um, my daughter, uh, Poppy Annabelle, my, my firstborn, um, was, was stillborn at full term. Her birthday was October 26th of 2015. Um, we were, my husband and I, Eli, were very excited to welcome our daughter into the world. And uh, I actually went into labor on her due date, which was October 25th. We were given the green light to go to the hospital after I'd labored at home for several hours. And um, we found out uh, shortly after arriving at the hospital when they couldn't find her heartbeat through the monitor that she had died. Um, And as anyone can imagine that was um, uh, incredibly shocking. It was one of those things where, I mean, it was unfathomable. It was not even something that we had ever considered as a possibility. Um, uh, And um, so I I tell Poppy's birth story in in the memoir. I share all of that and and that experience and those feelings. Um, But in terms of when I started writing, I actually started writing the night that we got home from the hospital, I, um, I had gone to sleep that night. So we, we spent one full day in the hospital with Poppy and, um, made all of the arrangements for things like an autopsy and, um, you know, just things that you never imagine, um, as a new parent that you would be doing. Um, but we got home and, uh, I fell asleep that, that first night and woke up at about 3am and my, my breasts were engorged. I was in a lot of pain, um, physically because I was still like, my milk was coming in essentially. And I had actually, uh, decided to donate my breast milk. Um, that's a beautiful, beautiful part of, my story and my memoir, um, to me, and I think it will be to, to others as well. Um, the inspiration for why I even thought of donating my milk is, is part of, is part of the, the, um, the unfolding of my experience. So I woke up and, um, crawled out of bed and I went into Poppy's nursery and I expressed some colostrum and, um, after expressing colostrum, I, um, you know, I think my, let me see, I think it's right here. Oh yeah. My mom had sent me this little journal as a gift. It says just when you think, you know, love something little comes along to remind you just how big it really is a beautiful little baby. I know. And um so my mom had sent me this tiny little journal in a care bu- care package and um th- this is it actually I'll shall I read it? Yeah. October 28th, 2015, 3:23 a.m. I'm awake. I forgive myself. I forgive Poppy. Poppy forgives me. Poppy is an angel loved perfectly during her time on earth. Now she is loving us from beyond. I woke up and had the idea to try a 10 day vinyasa silent retreat. I had a vision of the Phoenix rising, a powerful magical bird. I can heal and rise above this pain and tragedy. I will meditate. And breathe into and through this experience. I will allow all the feelings to be a part of me. When awful, destructive thoughts come, I will not hold on to them. I will not give them power. I will not give them time or credence. I will ask for help. I will ask for other people to give me some of the strength they can spare. I will take care of myself and honor my beautiful spirit and my gorgeous earthly body. I will not forget the joys of pregnancy, the joys of my marriage, the joys of everyday simplicities like a long walk, a hot shower, a nourishing meal. I will remember. I will reach out to those who have suffered before me and those who will suffer loss after
0: wow and here you are living this i know i
1: did not know that i was going to read that um and you know what's so interesting to me about mm, <clears throat> my handwriting do you see how clean and tidy it is <laughs> i was writing so Slowly. And just allowing those words to come out of me in that moment. I mean, I remember sitting in this glider, and this is part of my author's note, which, Amana, you've had a chance to read, but I was sitting in this glider that we had gotten for Poppy. And, you know, that I had anticipated all the nursing and all those moments and stories and reading and everything that we would do with her. And here I was, this, the tick, tick, tick of the clock on the wall, silence, you know, and having woken up and having this very powerful dream, which is also part of my, which is also part of this, the, my memoir. Um, but being being with myself and and I don't know how I said these words. I don't know how I had the what did I forgive myself? I forgive Poppy. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like how did I? And so I, you know, I can, and and the the thing is is that like, oof, it got rough. Like this was this was written still in a state of total shock. Mm-hmm and none of that having worn off. And of course, having already felt so much sadness and so much, I mean, already just the depths of the pain that I had experienced having given birth to her and holding her and being with her. But like, I really accessed my essence. This was really me tapping into that goddess, that energy, that, that, that knowing within that I would somehow make it through. So to answer your question, I started writing immediately. And then I read other books of other women who had had similar, similar experiences and they inspired me to say, okay, this is something that I can actually put out into the world. And I can use healing. Not only I can use writing, not only as a means to heal myself, but also to help be a piece of someone else's healing process. and I mean, that was six, six years ago. I mean, December six. Yeah. I mean, it was, she, she would have been six this past October. So, I mean, I wrote that over six years ago and there's been a lot of healing and a, a million and one tears and depression and, and therapy and anxiety and PTSD and all the things that I've worked, I continue to work through a lot of yoga, a lot of meditation, a lot of, you know, a lot of work to heal and a lot of connection, you know, it's for me, community is so huge and being connected to someone like you and going to that grief retreat and knowing that I wasn't the only one that goes through this to see other women who for all intents and purposes should not have had this happen to them. Right. Like,
0: yeah, right. Yes. 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 guess it was so being with other mothers that had that were still breathing I love that you titled your book um still breathing that we were all able to yeah connect together and witness each other and feel less alone. Like, and that's what your, your book will do too. I know more women will pick up your book and feel comforted by knowing that they're not alone. And like we spoke before this podcast started that, you know, the number of babies that are still born every year is what would you remember the number like 24,000 in the
1: United States in the United States alone? The CDC yeah says that about 24,000 and that, that, and I've, I've actually, it's interesting. Cause I've had those moments where I've considered giving up on myself, giving up on the project, giving up on the book. Like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I going back in? Why am I choosing to remember? Why am I putting this down into words? And, um, and then I've had to think about I've chosen to think about all the other people that this has happened to. Um, so since Poppy was born alone in the United States, one hundred and fifty thousand. Right. That's a lot. That's a lot of mothers and fathers. That's a lot of babies that that's a lot of dreams. That's a lot of expectations. That's a lot of planning and, and things falling through and a lot of grief. So. We're definitely not alone um, sadly,
0: yes, yes, and um when right now in our culture it's a heart it's so it's an interesting dynamic, like I think about this like we don't speak about um babies dying, and when uh, you know I was pregnant i didn't you know I knew that it was a possibility, and some Some people haven't even known that it is a possibility because we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about it a lot. And yet a pregnant person, I'm not like going to pregnant people and saying, you know, your baby could die. Like that's not a thing either, but I do think these stories are important to share.
1: They are. I, I, um. I did a, a little panel discussion with some other authors that I'm uh, collaborating with. And, um, we were talking about the power of storytelling to heal trauma and how storytelling is, is a, is a powerful tool. And one of the women on the panel is like 38 eight weeks pregnant. And of course she knew my story, but it, I mentioned to her in a private discussion, cause she reached out, um, that, uh, you know, for a couple years after Poppy was born, well, I say a couple years, it felt like forever, but it might not have been a couple years. But like, I crossed the street when I saw another pregnant woman coming. Like, I I did not know how to talk to pregnant women anymore. I had no idea how to. I I just I felt like I I felt like a curse, right? Like I didn't want to like rub my <laughs> rub my my sadness or my grief or anything on them um but yeah it it is it's incredibly important to talk about i mean one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage alone so i mean that that's that is a huge number and and miscarriage i think you know where i i i couldn't hide the fact that i had a stillborn child like i i the world knew i was having a baby like my entire community uh, we'd had a baby shower there all of it you know all the things like i had a nursery i had a, the car seat was in the car you know but for women who um, who have miscarriages, something that I realized and put together only after Poppy died was that this cultural practice we have of waiting till the end of our first trimester to tell people that we're pregnant. I understand this idea that like you have a, that it's a very, um, you know, it's like a sacred time to be excited with your, with your, maybe your partner and your, and your closest loved ones. But a lot of women, choose not to say that they're pregnant because if the pregnancy is lost, then they won't have to talk about it. They won't have to talk about it. And that breaks my heart because there are so many women that are walking around truly alone.
0: Yes. Yes. I've supported some of those women that yeah, have made, made the choice not to share. And then they have an early birth and then they feel like, Oh, I You know, invisible and like, I can't now tell people, oh, I was pregnant and now I'm not. And then it feels, you know, not that we can't do that because you can, but just like, it's just a, yeah, it's like,
1: it's one of those things that you you don't necessarily, there is no, there is no answer necessarily like, oh, I have a pregnancy test. It's positive. Like, hello world. I'm going to tell everyone because that, that doesn't feel appropriate either or whatever. Maybe it does. But, but the idea really being that, that so many women are, are, finding that they're loving this life that's growing inside of them. This, this, this being that's coming into, and then the being, it doesn't make it. And then you, then they don't have the means to talk about it with, like you said, it's like there was no one else was expecting this child. So it's hard to like say, Oh, I, anyway, I, 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 I'm stumbling over my words because I haven't had a miscarriage and I don't know that experience personally, but what I do hope, and I am seeing a change is that women are starting to talk about it and they are starting to acknowledge that there, that is a very real loss, no matter how far along you are in any pregnancy as a mother as a person who is pregnant, you know, um, there's, there's that, those dreams, they form immediately. Yes. Know?
0: When, you know, like when your due date is you're thinking about, you know, yeah. that birthday. And, um, and I also acknowledge that there's no like one right path and that some women, you know, hold it to themselves and that feels best to them. And that's, you know, okay. And I also just want to normalize, like, Sharing to people that we are pregnant, even in those early weeks, if that feels good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like? Where does Poppy's story begin for you? Like, where? Where does? Where does her journey begin? Um, where does her story start?
1: Oh, it's actually really incredibly sweet. It's such a beautiful romantic story. Um, uh, my husband and I. Um, Uh, Eli, we had actually just moved in together. Um, it was, uh, February of uh, 2015 and, um, two weeks before this. So we moved into with one another two weeks before uh, this beautiful trip to Kauai, uh, in in Hawaii. So Mm -hmm. and
0: had you always known you wanted to be a mother? Was that something you came to Um, later in life? You know, I, I would say that,
1: um, I think that the knowing was in me that I wanted to be a mother, but uh, how that was actually going to happen never. I, ne- that, that never felt certain, um, you know, w- because I was practicing law, um, you know, okay, I've got this career and like, when will I have time to have a kid and when will there be enough money and when will it all make sense? And, you know, w- will I go back to work and w- or will I be a stay at home mom for a couple, you know, like all of that sort of like linear, logical thinking. Um, uh, I, I, I didn't know how that was all going to come out, but I will say that when Eli and I started dating, Um, And a couple months into our dating, he, you know, he shared with me very honestly that he wanted to be a father and that he, that he hoped that that was something that I wanted. Like I found that very attractive. I was like, Oh, goody. Like (laughs) babies with me, like we're going to have a family. Like I was really into that. Like I, I, I could get behind that. And also I think with so many, so many women too, who, want children, but then like when you're not, you know, when you're single and you're supporting yourself, you're like, where, like, I don't even have, I don't even have the human, the other human to make this creature with. So once I finally had that guy, it was like, oh yeah. Okay, cool. So we're on vacation in Kauai and it's a 10 day vacation. Um, we had arrived, um, we were kind of settling in getting comfortable and, um, I I had a feeling that Eli was going to propose. So we were, we were just like, I had a feeling we had talked about it. We had looked sort of like at rings, this whole thing. And, um, but I, you know, I didn't know, I thought it'd be a perfect opportunity. We just moved in together, all these things, yada, yada. So fast forward a couple of days and Eli proposes, this is the first chapter of my book. So I'm not ruining anything. (laughs) And, um, and I had been feeling a little wonky, but wasn't really paying attention to, um, how I had been feeling other than just excited about this trip and wanting to be proposed and all that, wanting to get engaged, all these things. So then Eli, Eli proposes to me. And the very next day we go for this incredible hike and we go out to the Waimea falls and it's just stunning. And I can't wait to go swimming in this freezing cold, um, swimming hole and get, we go swimming. It's just incredible. But again, first chapter of my book. So not ruining anything. I had this weird moment where I stood up and I was like, Whoa, I'm, I don't feel right. Like I just had this like weird, like the world was like, and it entered and I go, Oh my gosh. Could I be it just, cause I was a couple days late, but again, wasn't paying attention. Didn't really like didn't chalk it up to anything. So we go hiking, we go into the, we go into the pool, we kiss behind the waterfall. It's like incredible. Like I'm so excited about it. Um, another tourist takes pictures of us, the whole thing. And we're driving home from dinner. And, um, and I just kind of like, I'm like, so Eli, I, um, I think that we should stop by the drugstore and pick up a pregnancy test. And he's like, what? Really? (laughs) Like he was so excited. He like there was no hesitation with his joy. I, I was all like, uh, freaking out, you know. Anyway, <laughs> go back to the condo. Do do the do the thing, and it's pregnant. It I'm it was positive. So that, my dear friend Amana, is where Poppy shows up. Poppy showed up the day after I got engaged. I went from being this man's girlfriend to being his fiance. To being the future mother of his child in a span of like 72 hours. And it was very overwhelming. I will not lie. Like when I saw those, that pregnancy tests get positive, I was, I, I like my first reaction was no, 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 no. Too soon. Too soon. No, it's too soon. You know? And then within like an hour and a half, we were both like, yay. Oh my God, this is so incredible. And Eli was so excited. He was like, I'm so glad that I proposed to you yesterday. Like what timing, <laughs> I mean, it was really, really incredible. And then we just totally got into it. And like, I immediately stopped drinking coffee and there was no more lunch meat and like all the things, you know, we're like, and I downloaded, so I downloaded an app. I think it was like, I don't even remember now what it was called, but downloaded this pregnancy app. And at the time of that, I was essentially five weeks pregnant. I mean, I had just, Mm -hmm. right. Like I was like, I was, and at the time that the um the zygote is the size of a poppy seed so we started calling her poppy seed we had no idea of course what our child's gender was but so poppy seed and so so poppy so so it was it was much later in in our um in our journey with pregnancy Uh, And it's funny, I've even come across like lists, like where I'd written out like potential names for her. And Poppy was, Poppy was just always at the top of the list. So what is extraordinary about her getting that name, Poppy, um, one, it's just precious, such a sweet name. And it's such a beautiful flower, but I had no relationship to the flower Poppy. I mean, again, like I had as much relationship to the flower poppy as I did to like poppy seed bagels. Like it didn't mean anything, right. It was just the size. Right. And then she became poppy. And so what was beautiful about it when she did die was that she'd had her name the whole time. So using her name felt very natural and, um, and, and easy as opposed to like, I know that there have definitely been parents who have gone into the hospital and said they've not known, right? Like they've had five names, or maybe we're just going to wait and see what the baby looks like. And then we're going to let God inspire us or whatever, you know, like we're just going to, and then they've had to choose a name. Right. And so it's like, it's, there's, there's, some there's, it, that can be very hard for a couple, but for us, it was just, her name was Poppy and it, and it still was. And then in this amazing, you know, as, as life and fate and magic would have it, um, we found out that the poppy is the flower of remembrance. And we only found that out after she died. A friend of ours shared that with us and we had no idea. We didn't know this story. There's a whole story. And, and some people will know this, who are listening to the podcast uh, from um, world war one and this uh, field of flower field of poppy flowers that bloomed um, in it's called Flanders field. And, um, anyway, I won't go into the whole legend. You can look that up, but it's amazing. So that's, so the poppy is the flower of remembrance. And so our daughter in this magical way kind of chose this name and then has become a symbol of remembrance for us and for writing and choosing to go in. And even now that I'm thinking about it, what I read in my little journal, I actually said, I will remember. You know, that's mm-hmm. me. Even then, I didn't know. I had no mm-hmm. idea. More, I, I will remember.
0: So yes, yes. I, okay. So you, yeah. she's a tiny poppy seed inside of you. And then you return back to Washington state and continue on. And what does her pregnancy look like for you? Well, we
1: plan this amazing wedding. We keep her a surprise and we decide we're not going to tell anybody we're pregnant. Speaking of surprises, you know, in the whole thing (laughs) earlier about miscarriage, but again, you know, you know, whatever works for everybody, but, um, yeah, we plan this beautiful pregnancy. We tell our parents on our wedding night that we're, that we're having a baby. So we even kept it a surprise from our parents. Um, and we have this gorgeous pregnancy, gorgeous. I mean, beautiful. I, I just felt like a total goddess. I glowed the whole time. I would talk to anybody about it. Anyone that wanted to touch my belly, go for it. Like I was just like open. Let me, you know, I, Oh, and telling people about the romantic story of finding out we were pregnant. I mean, it was just, it was an incredible time. Um, you know, and our marriage was brand new and, and everything felt just charmed. Everything felt incredible. I, I, you know, I continued to work and practice law, um, you know, up until very basically the end. Um, we had a beautiful experience, um, with our midwives and we met lots of other pregnant parents through a group called centering. where kind of, um, we'd all sit in circles and talk about symptoms and stuff like that. So it was really beautiful. And we took all the pregnancy classes and did all those things. And, um, it was gorgeous. I loved it. I love being pregnant. I loved, I loved having poppy inside me. Um, we had a wonderful relationship. We called her bubbles. That was one of her nicknames and,
0: um, yeah. And did you find out her sex before she was born? Yes, we did. We did. We used, um, at the time it was very
1: advanced, but we found out, um, the herd, her uh, through my DNA, we were, did blood work.
0: Mm-hmm. the maternal blood test.
1: Yeah, yeah. We were able to find and see that the, the genes, I can't remember now what, what it is, the Y or the X anyways, but yes, so yeah. we looked at she was a girl yeah. and, and uh, yeah, so we knew and we were-
0: you had her name, you had Poppy at the top of the list, but when did you finally, when did you like solidify? Like, this is her name. Was it, I think before it was, she was born. Was oh, yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Probably like, I mean, she was born in October. So
1: I think by like by July, we were pretty much certain that her name was Poppy. Cause I was like, Eli, we keep like trying to figure this out, but we're calling her Poppy. Like, hello. Like, yeah,
0: she's Poppy.
1: She's Poppy. Her middle name was Annabelle, Um, Poppy Annabelle. And my husband's last name is Mirror. And I've, I've kept my maiden name. Um, But uh, so Poppy Annabelle Mirror and my, my maternal grandmother's name was, was Anna. So that was kind of a little bit of an homage to her um, with the middle name.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yes, and then you sort of already told her her birth story a little bit, but would you like to um share again in this time frame?
1: yeah, so again, we got to the hospital um I'd been laboring at home um it was the day after my due date, and um the you know, very routine. The nurse just said, we're going to measure her heartbeat. We're going to monitor her heartbeat for about 20 minutes. I think she said to kind of get a sense how the baby's heart and everything was responding to contractions. And, um, and, uh, she, you know, got off the Doppler very normal and put the jelly on and moved it around. And, you know, you know, it's interesting because of course I've, I've written this story and I've been with this experience so many times, but um, you know, and to be able to talk about it, I'm I don't feel like I'm going to cry, but it's still very it's you know, it's one of those moments that it is hard to explain, you know, it's hard to go back and, and talk about, it. but she um said, you know what, I'm having a hard time finding her heartbeat. I'm gonna go get the midwife. And I, you know, I was like, what? Well, I don't, you know, looking over at my husband, like, okay, what do I? You know, like it just didn't make any sense. And she left the room and she came back with. Mia, the midwife that was on call. And, um, I mean, you know, Mia, Mia couldn't find her heartbeat either. And that was, you know, she just looked at me and said, you know, Katie, we we can't find her heartbeat. And, you know, that just didn't, didn't make any sense. I started, you know, it, it sunk in of course. And, and then, you know, Eli rushed over and held me. I mean, you know, it, it, again, all of this is in the book, but it's, um, it's one of those things. It's interesting because as I've, as I've, as I've been putting myself out there more as an, as a memoirist and an author, and like, especially with social media, like finding other women who are, who are sharing their stories and that sort of thing. Like I've seen this, this sentence now we I'm sorry, but we can't find her heartbeat. I'm sorry, but we can't find his heartbeat. I'm sorry. It's like, it's this thing that like, you know, these medical practitioners say, like, it's been said now how many times since Poppy was born, I'm sorry, but we can't, you know, and then you just think of like the parent, just like, you know, like, what do you mean?
0: I feel like, yeah, like it's almost the language that they use because they don't say your baby's died. No, they say we can't find a heartbeat. And that almost makes, could make one feel like it's, it would be possible to find it, that they just don't have the right equipment or they just haven't found it yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I remember asking that question. You mean she's dead. I, I did Mm -hmm. like, you know, I did. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, at that point, it's certainly not a moment that, you know, when you think about all the practitioners out there who are taking care of, of pregnant women and, and their partners, like, it's not a moment that anyone wants to have to, to face, but it happens more often than, you would like to think
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then you know i had the experience of course of being in the hospital in labor mm-hmm. and this happens a lot of course with people who are just in for a routine scan you know they're not in labor they're not yeah. there's they're they're 20 weeks or 22 weeks or 24 or 26 i know your experience with hartley was you know special because finding out that there was a genetic
0: issue or that you know that there was something yeah. That she didn't have a body that could live outside of my womb and right. yet here she was moving in my womb and alive. Right. Yeah.
1: right. Yeah. So it, it, everyone's experience is different. Um, I was grateful. It's funny when I think of back on, I had a birth plan mm-hmm. and in one of my moments of rage, uh, after Poppy died at home writing, um, uh, being so angry that, um, no one has you put like at the top of the birth plan, like alive, you know, I, I, we went to the, we went to this, um, um, birthing class, uh, my husband and I, and they had all these little cue cards and like, you, you had to choose like what's ideal. Do you want an epidural or do you want a natural birth? Do you want to breastfeed or do you want a bottle? Do you want to swaddle? Or do you want to like all, you know, all these little things, do you want the, the, um, the vaccines or no, like blah, blah, blah. And I remember just being so angry and saying there was no card for, do I want a live baby? Or do I want a dead baby? Like, and I know that saying that is like, but that's those feelings that I had of like, I didn't know, no one ever told me that there was a possibility that my baby might not come home or that my baby might die. And and I know that other women feel that way. Like mm-hmm. I know that y- you, and, and again, like, how do you talk about it? It's a possibility. Do you, do you need to dwell on it? No, you don't, you don't need to dwell on the possibility that your baby might not make it. But I think that as we, become a more compassionate and understanding society and we learn more how to be with people in their grief it's something to at least plant the seed of possibility and to say there will be resources there are things for you there are you will if that does happen you will make it through and there are you know there are support systems for you mm-hmm. um, just so that people don't feel so so alone mm-hmm.
0: when it yeah, so you're you're in active labor and you now know that your daughter is no longer living and how does your labor move forward from there and what I can only imagine what that would have been like
1: Um so it was awful uh but also um I the word that's coming to, up for me is sacred it was still very sacred. So, um, my labor basically, well, here's what I can say is that, you know, I was having big contractions when we got mm-hmm. to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I really, what I remember, my body went into total shock. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I write about this, but you know, I, I, st- I started at at one point I was shaking and I was, I was shaking so much that I was actually afraid that I would never stop shaking like that, that for the rest of my life, I would shake. And it, it was like an internal, it was like from my bone marrow out, like, I could, like this, the depth of this, like, of this, you know, response that my body was having. Um, we did, you know, I, I didn't actually know what would happen. I, I, I asked my medical team, do you cut her out of me? Mm -hmm. And I remember Mia saying, no, Katie, you know, the, you, you need to give vaginal birth, you know, like you, you, there's no reason for us to cut her out of you. You'll want to give birth vaginally so that it preserves your possibility of having vaginal birth in the future if you decide to have other children whoa yeah there's so much in just that and and then going oh okay I still have to give birth like oh right duh you know like it's you know like none none of this makes any sense when it's happening to you but you just kind of process it. And, and so, and of course, and I had a doula, so I have to say my, my doula was so amazing. And my husband was there the whole time. And, and Robin, my doula was just someone there to help me make decisions in, in, in those, those times. And I was extremely well-educated. So I knew what my options were. um, And I remember at one point, like all of this is happening. I'm being told that I still have to give birth. I'm shaking in a way that like, I think I'm, it's never going to stop. It doesn't, nothing is making sense. And then my contraction started again. Then I start. then I had, then, then I had another contraction and I was like, oh my God, give me an epidural. I was like, no, I, I, I cannot feel this. Like I, I had zero intentions of asking for an epidural. Ideally, I didn't want one, but at that time I was like, oh hell no stop this. Like this is cruelty on top of cruelty. So Mm. I had an epidural. Um, and then I also asked for, um, uh, narcotics. I knew that, um, from what I'd been taught that, uh, women, can often, it, 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 often as a, as a means to avoid getting an epidural, you can have a little bit of a narcotic medication to help soothe the pain. So you can conserve your energy and then be able to, when it, you know, and then be able to go full force back into labor again. And so I, I, I needed to be, I basically needed to be knocked out. I, I needed to not be as cognizant as I was because it was too hard. And, um, I don't remember what we did first. I don't remember if the epidural came and then I got the medicine or the medicine and the epidural, but I will say that the medicine sort of induced, uh, a little bit of, I mean, I, I got, I got high essentially, you know, but I, I, it, it induced, um, sort of a, uh, like a supernatural kind of trippy experience that allowed me to, go connect with poppy's spirit in outer space Mm -hmm. because i i went in and um i actually had i write about this too but i had just watched an episode of uh bill degrasse tyson's um space odyssey like a couple days before poppy was born i was like flipping through and I watched this amazing show and it, he was talking about Andromeda, which is our neighboring galaxy. And in, in this now back, I'm in the hospital bed and I'm laying there. I, I saw Poppy's spirit in Andromeda, like I saw I the swirling, whirling, all the colors and the, like this, you know, this just like, and there she, and she was like, she was already way you know? And I remember this like incredibly peaceful sense. Like I, it was, it was a very peaceful, it was also drug induced, but it was also spiritual. So there was like a lot going on, you know, but I, I, there was this knowing that she was okay. Now, did that mean anything for like the months and months and months of aching agony and grief? No, none. Did it mean that like I held on to that and was like, oh, she's fine. She's no, no. But in that moment in the hospital, it was very uh, powerful. It was very powerful for me to have that sense of, um, wow, she's, she's off and on and doing doing, there are other things, there are other things, there's something else happening out there. And, and that I will say, you know, when I think about now six years of healing and making sense and making meaning of this story, making meaning of my experience, definitely come to believe that Poppy and I have had experiences together in past lives and that this incarnation for her was something that she needed. And that if our souls do contract, like if we do come in with a purpose or a mission that she actually did complete hers in that very brief time. And it was with me, you know, and, and I got to be that warmth and offer her that love and she was safe and and she was nurtured and adored and, and it was just perfect.
0: Yeah. She lived her whole, whole life within your womb. Oh, what a magical and beautiful space for her to exist within.
1: Yeah. And, and she, she wasn't, I, you know, I think when I think about it, I mean, there have been times when I've like been with her in meditations and, 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 Sort of invoked her energy and and felt like you know asked her questions and because I say it in my in my uh, in my author's note but she has become somewhat of a spirit guide you know like she has become an aunt it's interesting. I think about it. I'm like, is Poppy an ancestor? I don't know. I don't think that, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I don't know enough the about definition of
0: ancestor, ancestor.
1: Yeah. Like, does it have to be someone that's young, older than you? Older I don't you? like her soul. Like she, in some ways she is, you know, she's with the ancestors. She's with yes. like, she's, she's beyond she's, I mean, in the same way that I wrote that in that first, she is loving us from beyond. I'm like, whoa. Okay. Like, but, um, yeah. So, um, She's, she's said to me before in those moments of meditation that she was sorry that she had to put me through this, like, but you know, like that it wasn't, but that she, she, this was her journey and, and, and she knows that it hurt me. And also it's, it's okay because, you know, I've taken responsibility for, for my reinvention you know that's you know that that's the subtitle of my book still breathing my journey with love loss and reinvention that i've used this experience to allow a reinvention to change to to quit to start again to try new things to you know to put myself out there in a way that feels you know, where other people say, oh my gosh, you're so brave. And I'm like, I'm just desperate for connection. And I can't, you know what I mean? And it's like, so it's like, I, I've, I've just, I've, I have transformed. I really am. I'm a different person. I was talking to an, a bereavement doula about this on Friday. this incredible woman. Uh, she actually lives out in Walla Walla. So she's close to you. Um, but we were talking about how, like I, I died the day that Poppy died. I did the, the person that existed before
0: mm-hmm.
1: no longer existed. The, there was a veil there, you know, there was a, a change that could not be unchanged. There was something that I was no longer. And, and, and in many ways for a long time, I actually identified like, you know, you th- think of those first 12 weeks after the baby is born as the fourth trimester, Mhm. I, I was like a brand new soul. I I was brand new. I was days old. I was weeks old. I was months old. And, and I don't know how much it shows up in my, my book, but I know in my personal journaling, like things that I would write to myself was that I had to turn all of that love that I was planning on giving to Poppy back on myself I had to parent myself. I had to mother myself. I had to nurture myself and take care of myself in ways that I never had before. And in many ways I'm, you know, I still do that. I mean, my grace and self-compassion and self-kindness are just like so vital for me and my life now and making Mm -hmm. it through every day.
0: Yes, and our babies, you know, Poppy for you and Harley for me, like they have changed our life forever in a way that we can never like you're saying. It's we become new new people within the same person. It's, it's...
1: yeah. And again, and I'll say this too in a beautiful way, like when my daughter Moxie for those who are watching this and listening, um I I had a, a I've had my rainbow baby. I my husband and I had the courage to try again. I put try in quotation marks because we weren't trying the first time it's, that was another very interesting. I think pregnancy after loss is just a whole nother,
0: mm -hmm,
1: a whole nother whirlwind of feelings and being in society and being out in the world. And how do I relate to people that want to know, is this your first? And you're like, how do I answer that question? Like, it's so complicated. Like, but, but, um, when we did try again and, and we're fortunate enough to get pregnant again. And, um, and I had a baby and a beautiful, my beautiful daughter Moxie who is alive and well and four years old and stomping upstairs. And um, yeah, I think I died the day she was born. There's this, you know, and I say die and death and it's not necessarily a sad thing, right? It's not a tragic thing. It's like we change motherhood. Oh my goodness
0: motherhood motherhood. Yeah.
1: I mean, from the I think, and truly, I think from the moment you're pregnant and you, mm-hmm. and you know it, right. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a, there's like a death, like, whoa. And a life yes. right? Death yes. cycle, yes. like there's always this, this cycling and then, and then becoming a mother and everything that like you give to this life and this child that you end up nurturing. And you are not who you used to be. Like, it's just, that's just the reality. Like we, we
0: only move, we can't go back. We move forward and we experience these like small deaths along the way and reinventions and I mean, home to ourselves in new ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I love, I'm just going to read this first sentence where you say, Poppy taught me how to face the hardest things in life courageously. And that just stuck out to me. And as you were, you were just speaking about it. And now this sentence is staring back at me as well. I wonder um, if maybe now would be a good time for you to read the rest of that part. If you have it there with you. Absolutely. And we can talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah.
1: Poppy taught me how to face the hardest things in life courageously. She taught me how to be with myself and others in the most uncomfortable of times. She taught me how to talk about the things that hurt without shame. She was a sacrifice, my spirit guide. My writing is a testament to the love I have for her and the beautiful mystery of this thing we call life. We are capable of extraordinary things and remembering our babies. Remembering why we choose to tell our stories will inspire will inspire others to find their own way through too. I'll never know who I would have been if I hadn't taken this journey. Sharing my story with the world is the most vulnerable, courageous act I've ever taken. I hope Poppy finds a place into your heart. She'll forever be alive in mine. Yes.
0: Yes. And I'm so like proud of you. I'm so honored to have been witness to this path that you are choosing and doing these things courageously to continue to write, continue to share. And now your book is being published and it's just you inspire me and i'm so grateful that you are here in this world and that we're sharing earth time together
1: oh my gosh amana you were such an inspiration i know that the first i think the 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 moment i i laid eyes on you at amelia's retreat at landon legacy in in canada i just i knew you you just carry this this magical peaceful powerful grace um you, you are a gift to everyone that crosses your path. I know how much you meant to every single one of us at the retreat. You brought so many offerings of, of love. You brought, I mean, you brought rocks. You, you, for everyone listening, this woman, um, traveled from Spokane, Washington to. winnipeg canada with a backpack full of rocks like she checked rocks i don't know if you carried them on if you brought but you brought so many things you brought feathers you brought i still have my um my uh dream catcher is still in my window upstairs in my bedroom my dream catcher stones and feathers and twigs and all the things and you were like this magical fairy goddess that came in and again you know it was like wait what wait her baby died too You know, like it was just, it's, I think it was, it was just such a powerful experience. And to, to just, I want to just share that too, that when you are going through something hard in life, um, there are other people going through the same thing at the same time. And I just encourage everyone to find those people, find those people who have that same type of grief or that same type of loss and, and be with them, you know, and, and if you don't know how to find them, ask, ask other people, ask for help. You know, I, I see, think about this journal entry. I wrote that first night. I will ask for help. I will reach out. And that is one of the things that Poppy taught me how to do. I don't remember a lot about who I was before she died. I mean, I say that cause it's true. Like it's just, she's gone that, that woman, but one thing she taught me how to do is to ask for help. I am not afraid of asking for help. I will I will do it over and over and over and over and over again because people want to help each other. More than anything, I think we want to be of service to others and a lot of times especially with grief, people have no idea how to help. They want to, but they don't know how to say, "Hey Katie, I know that you just went through this horrible loss and your baby died. Is there anything I can do? You know, but if I know, Hey, I think this person cares about me or they've said they do. And I could really use a "Mm," right now, like ask them for it. And chances are they're going to say, yes, they're going to make it work. And if it, and if, you know, and if they can't, they're going to help. They're going to find somebody who will, um, that's just people in this life, people, relationships. Love. Yes, We we
0: haven't had enough examples of like what to do and what to say and how to be with one another in these difficult times in grief. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, I have learned along this path and along through my life experiences. And I continue to learn and grow and shift and change. Yeah. Well. Wow. Yeah.
1: And I think, self self forgiveness is so big too because even as i know how much i've learned about how to be more sensitive and to be you know more aware of how i say things Um, there's always, (laughs) I continue to find ways to stick my foot in my mouth. (laughs) I'm embarrassed. And I go, oh gosh, wow. Oh, look at that. There's another blind spot, like another blind spot. I didn't know that, you know? And so we, as, as our world expands and as, as, as people who are not used to being seen are stepping out and being seen, there's opportunities to shine light and, and, and help others, um, express who they are and experiences that they're going through. And also to continually offer ourselves compassion and grace when we goof up, when we, when we aren't sensitive or when we say the wrong thing or whatever it is, I just, I want, I think it's more important to to say something than nothing at all. Right. It's, it's more important to reach out and offer, um, your, your love and, and your empathy, um, than to sit back and say, I don't know what to say. So I'm not going to say anything at all. Um, and the same goes, I do that. Like I see someone post on, uh, you know, social media, or I hear through the grapevine that someone's grandmother or dog or cat or died, anybody, anything, or they've got cancer, or, you know, back surgery, right? I am. I just, I just reach out. I just let them know, just let them know. I'm thinking of you, let them know. And, um, and I know it makes a difference because it made a difference for me every single time, every single time I ever got word from anyone that they were thinking of me or sending me a picture of a poppy flower that they'd seen on the, you know, in the garden, or. Or even even I, sh- I I don't have it here with me. I'm I'm drinking out of my my Prince coffee mug. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Hail to the Prince, hey. also also deceased and somewhere off in Andromeda, I'm sure. Um, but I have this beautiful uh, poppy mug that you sent me. You know, and every time I I I use my my poppy mug, I think of you right. I mean, I think of Poppy, but I think of you and it's those connections, right. Of the people mm-hmm. in our lives that, um, that matter most.
0: Yeah. I think this is a beautiful reminder to those who may be listening, who have someone in their lives that has maybe experienced the loss of a child to just remember that, you know, for my experience as a mother, one of the like pain points has been like, if I'm not remembering who is, you know, So if you are remembering that child that is no longer Earthside, reach out and tell that mom because it does matter to her and it will make a difference to her.
1: Mm, Absolutely. So, so much.
0: And um, I know we're getting close to the end of our time, but I would love, I feel like the tool that you shared about the remembering space would be a beautiful way to close and be a... possibility for other people to bring into their practice that might help them along their path.
1: Absolutely. I'd love to share that. Um, so I came up with this idea that I call the remembering space and, um, And it's beautiful, actually, in your intro to the podcast, I noticed both of those words were there, this, that this is a space for remembering you said that. And so it's just incredible how I say I came up with it, but you know, I was, I was blessed to come up with that idea and, and what it was, what it is for me and what it can be for others is creating a ritual around a around remembering so in other words it's like it's almost like intentional grieving so Mm -hmm. for me it's um it came about in my writing process so for any of you out there who are writers who are who like to journal um whether it's in you know paper your laptop um as I had committed to writing this memoir what I found was that it was sometimes oftentimes very hard to just sit down and like write about write write a story or, or try to capture a memory of something. Um it felt you know like it could be it could be uh, disruptive and it could like stir things up in me that then I kind of carried throughout the day. So the idea is um for yourself is to be very intentional and, and ritualistic around going in to remember. So what I, what I did was I would do something like light a candle. And, um, and then I created a mantra for myself that I would read and I, I've got my little post-it note here with my mantra and, and when I would, before I would write, I would light my candle, I would get centered and then I would read this to myself. I sit down to write in service of humanity and the cycle of life and death to which we are all a part. May my heart and mind connect to that force of love that binds us. And for me, reading this as I went into that space reminded me of why I was choosing to go in. It was to tap into love. Um, It was to honor the cycle of life and death to which we are all apart and that none of us will escape. I know it's so interesting having my four-year-old, she asks me amazing questions about death and dying probably because of who I am and who her big sister, Poppy is. I don't think most kids are that curious, but um, you know, she's heard a lot about it. And so, but yes, but we're all going to die, right? Like this is all impermanent. All of it is just like, and, and our breath, is the only thing that we have that is constant, right? We can always come back to our breath. And so I would write, and then when I was done, I could close out, I could acknowledge what I'd, what I'd written and what it was in service of, and then I could blow out my candle. And then it was like, okay, whew, all right, I'm back to the present now. I'm back in in this world, you know, and I can go wash dishes or go, change a diaper or go, whatever it is, answer a text message, whatever I have to do. um, and know that I put my heart and soul into the writing and that now I can celebrate,
0: right? Yes, you created this like clear, sacred container for this time, for remembering, yes. for writing, for whatever it was that you need, you know, most of the time for you it was writing, but for other people, it could be just looking at pictures of your baby or remembering in a, a different way that feels good to you. Absolutely. And then also, you know, creating that space and then mm-hmm. moving forward with your day.
1: Right. And being able to come back to the present. And I know, I mean, I do a lot of breath work too, but, you know, closing out and taking a few deep breaths and just, and knowing, okay, it's now it's now. And that, and, and of course I've learned things like I've learned tools through also through therapy and about how to, you know, help my body, um, integrate a lot of, you know, a lot of integration of the trauma and the things that have happened and to help my body and my nervous system know that I'm not in that space anymore right like Mm -hmm. I'm not shaking anymore like that was temporary even though it felt like it could be forever but you know really training my nervous system to know that it's safe getting into that rest and digest state instead of feeling like I'm running away from a tiger. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I will include a link to the link to your um, book video that I have and things in the show notes, but will you also speak where people can find your book and how they can support you. Absolutely. So yes, so my
1: book currently, um, right now I'm running an uh, an Indiegogo campaign to uh, fund the publishing of the book. Um, Hybrid publishing is a really new and exciting form of publishing for authors. Um, It's a a combination of the traditional model that we think of and also self-publishing. So I have a publisher called New Degree Press um, new degree press is an incredible organization. It's a B Corp. Um, so they put social impact over profits. Um, and I've got an incredible team of editors, um, designers, all of it. It's, it's so exciting. Um, I, with working with them, I have, uh, I am crowdfunding the publishing, the actual publishing costs of the book. I started my campaign on November 21st. Um, just yesterday, I met a major milestone, and I have now fully funded both the ebook and the paperback edition of my book, which come out in May of 2022.
0: Which I've pre-ordered already.
1: Yes, <laughs> which Amana is getting a cop, a signed copy of, and Amana's name, like everyone else who pre-orders, will be in the acknowledgements section of the book, which is really exciting. Um, and right now I am my, my, my next goal, my stretch goal is to raise, um, an additional $2,000, uh, by December 21st, so that I can uh, fund the production of an audio book. And I will be reading the audiobook, which is an incredibly exciting thing for me i I started acting when I was a little girl i i 'm a singer um, i I started a study theater in college so this idea and then I studied english literature so it 's just like this incredible amalgamation of all of my skills to think that I would also get to read my audiobook my 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 favorite audio books that i 've ever listened to were always read by the author yes, and I, yes, this heart and soul into it in a way. Um, And I would love that challenge. So between now and um, December 21st, anyone can pre-order a copy of the memoir. um, And then you'll also be a member of my author community, which I'm going to start sending out newsletters and um, about the actual publishing process. I've got more revisions that are coming. I'm looking for beta readers, people that want to help uh, give feedback if they're interested. Um, One cool part of the um, crowdfunding uh, perk is that uh, all of my author community will be able to help me pick the final design for the cover of the book. Um, the pictures that you'll see in the Indiegogo campaign is just a mock-up. It's just you know a very simple mock-up of a cover. Um, so there's lots of cool ways to be a part of this process. And for anyone who has ever wanted to write a book or is writing a book, it could be an incredible thing for you to see my process unfold. Um, and I just love to have more people along for this journey and to get the word out there so that when the book is... Available on Amazon um, and in bookstores like Barnes and Noble and Third Place Books and Elliott Bay Bookstore and all those other bookstores. Um, you know, it'll all already have an audience, and there already be advocates out there saying, "Hey, I read this incredible story by this woman about her daughter and her journey, and I want you to read it too." So. Yeah. Thank you so much, Alana.
0: Yes. And for all those that are connecting with you and your ways, would you like to share about how people can get in touch with you for life coaching? If that's something that they would like as well.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so my email, if anyone is interested in, um, talking about coaching is Katie Duke coaching at gmail.com and, um, and then for, you can also find all of the ways to connect with me, like through Instagram. Um, I'm classy Katie on Instagram. That's classy with a K K L A S S Y K A T I E. Um, there's my email. Um, and, uh, and then if you do want to go, Amana will put a link to the um, Indiegogo campaign in the, the I guess, the notes of this. Show notes, episode. yep. Show notes. Um, but you can also go straight to Indiegogo and you can search for Still Breathing and you'll find my campaign. Um, or I think you could probably even put in Katie Duke and you'd find it as well. So those are the best ways to find me.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Imana. This has been really special. I know that your story will, you know, touch so many people in so many ways that we can't even imagine. So yes. And to all you listeners, thank you so much for soaking in these stories today. If you're interested in connecting further with me, just follow the link in the show notes and you can schedule your free clarity call. And if you have a story to share that you, you can email me through my website and just thank you for supporting this podcast by tuning in and remember that we are all warmed by the same sun, be brave, be bold, be love, be you.